Welcome back to the Whole Home Podcast. I've taken it to the road, y'all. I'm here in West Virginia for a special episode with one of our former remnant sisters who has since moved. I'm sitting at the top of a hill in a little house shed office thing with Audrey Love across from me. Hey, Audrey. Hello. And Audrey, this is such an honor for me. You are a dear friend, and I am very thankful for your time to step aside and share with all of us in the midst of hosting quite a busy weekend with the full house. Um, just jumping in, I don't remember when we met. Maybe it was like a pastor retreat, do you think? I don't remember the first time we met, but yeah. I, I think I've told you the story before, and you were like, I don't think so. <laughs> remember the first time I saw you, which is strange, I guess, but... Um, we had just first started coming to Remnant. I think Aline was probably a few months old, which means Ivory was very little. Yeah. And so I remember sitting down um, in the chairs. I guess service maybe was about to start. And um, you were sitting, I guess, with next to Ryan. Mm-hmm. And I just remember you had maybe like really long red hair, just probably like now, yeah. but I feel like it was more red. And I just remember these, like, maybe crushed, velvety, corduroy, what are like, you say? <laughs> burgundy bell bottoms. Is that something that you feel like you would have worn? Probably, yes. Maybe, like, a flowy shirt. I love corduroy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Ooh, who's that girl? <laughs> she seems cool. So, and then but I don't after, remember when we met. Okay. Yeah. I, I am trying to place it, but so it would have been when our 10 year olds were little about that time. Yeah. I don't think it was a staff retreat because, um, Ricky wasn't a pastor right away. Okay. Um, so I don't know, maybe it was some sort of gathering. I do remember one of my first memories, like a Halloween party, you and Ryan really dressed up and really getting oh, into man. it. <laughs> I don't remember what, what you were this. Maybe so. there was corduroy there too. I don't know. I have <laughs> no idea. So yeah, we have spent um, time together over the years through like pastoral or schooling events. But it's funny because I've been joyfully surprised at how even having a distant relationship now, you in West Virginia and us still in Richmond, I feel that we've still been able to have a solid friendship or maybe even a growing one. Mm-hmm. And I praise God for that. So yeah, it's interesting how when someone moves, you can be either intentional or not. And I think we've desired to stay in touch and have been intentional about keeping up with each other. So yeah, I'm thankful for that. Um, Audrey, just as Ashton had varied flowers of friends in a bouquet, you are definitely the woman in the bouquet who thoughtfully listens, is slow to speak, is not stubborn, is kind, and always has a smile for a stranger or a friend. You are the kind of person that someone can call at any time and you will be there to listen. And I praise God for this opportunity to learn more about you. And so if you're ready, let's do it. (laughs) Yes. Hey, Audrey's encouraging me, y'all. I feel so nervous. I'm sitting in the woods here. (laughs) Well, my heart's beating fast. Okay. (laughs) Oh, oh, the other thing I was going to say is when you're excited, it's contagious. So I love being around you and I always want to do what you're up to. I don't know. (laughs) So this is your soil, um, where you came from. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Okay. Um, That's an hour north of Nashville, just to get your bearings. What else? It's where Corvettes are made. Okay. It's pretty interesting. Uh, It's a college town. Western Kentucky University is there. Yeah, it was a great town to to grow up in. I really enjoyed it. I was there for a long time, probably 25, 26 years. Were you like in the heart of the city or kind of on the outskirts? Um, I'd say growing up, probably in the 90s, it was it was probably about 50,000 people. Now it's grown. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's kind of like a small city. It's mm-hmm. probably the third, I think maybe the third largest in Kentucky. Third okay. to um, Louisville and Lexington. But but I didn't grow up right in, in the city. We were about 20, 20 minutes out. So. Okay. I grew up on about three acres, which isn't massive. You said 30 or three? Three. Okay. Yeah. It's not massive, but it felt really big to me when I was young. Yeah. Um, I, I loved living out there. We moved there when I was three, stayed there for until I was 13. And all of my memories there are mostly of being outside. Wow. Um, and we lived also, the way it was situated um, is it was very isolated. So you couldn't really see neighbors. Um, we kind of lived up on a hill, but it was just very Mm -hmm. secluded. Um, so the outside, we had a little small house and the outside felt like an extension of the square footage. It just, the outside felt like 
part of our house, you know, because yeah. I was on every square inch of that three acres. So, and beyond, you know, ride my bike. We had a, um, you rode a bike. Yeah. Rode That's a bike fun on the hills. Um, and it was like a one street neighborhood. All the dogs in the neighborhood were outside roaming. Um, there were horses behind our house, uh, stuff like that. So it was, it was really fun. What are Kentucky people like? Hmm. I would say it's pretty similar to, you know, where we are here. Just kind saying saying hi when you pass and i don't know it was just it was a great place to to grow up in so yeah so if your neighbors were spread out how did you know how did you get to know people did you know other kids yeah there were other kids in the neighborhood so we'd be kids would be out in the neighborhood riding bikes and and playing and stuff the neighbors to the left of us had a pool but their pool was closer to our house than it was to mm. theirs um oh. <laughs> and yeah and they were an older couple, and so they just told us they could we could use the pool anytime we wanted. We mm-hmm. didn't even have to ask, so um, it felt like our pool without the cost or the work, <laughs> which was nice. Yeah, yeah. Everybody was pretty kind. We d- you didn't see them every day, the mm-hmm. neighbors, but you kind of helped each other out when you needed. It was good. Do you take the kids back there at all? Your kids? Oh, um, it's probably 10 hours from here. It's hard to get there. We do have a goal of being there once every other year. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't always happen. Uh, but last summer we were able to go and, um, the girls and I stayed for two weeks, oh, fun. which was the longest I've been there probably since I moved. And so that was really nice. Where's some of the spots that you took the girls like they have to go here? Um, gosh, it's changed so much over the years that mm. it, it just keeps growing that a lot of it is unfamiliar. I'll be driving and kind of be in another world and think I know it's what's getting ready to happen or where the road is getting ready to go. Yeah. And all of a sudden I'm dis- disoriented and I'm like, what just happened? Where yeah. Um, but I always want to go back to my house that I grew up in. I just always want to look at it and show the girls, show Ricky. I'm always very tempted to knock on the door and be like, can I walk through this house? But Someone did that once when we were living in Carytown, and it was actually kind of cool because oh, they really? told us stories about, you know, who was in the house before us and what the neighborhood was like. So maybe you could get away with it. I should try it. Yeah. We usually drive through campus because um, I went to college there, and I like to drive by the church that I was a part of. Yeah. And, just stuff like that. That reminds me even of Richmond, how it's like city, but kind of not. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you feel like there's a slight connection? or? Um, Richmond's bigger, so it doesn't feel quite the same mm-hmm. to me, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did you feel like you were more city or more country? As a uh, it felt more country okay. to me because of where I lived. Mm-hmm. Um, we just always lived far out and... Um, and secluded and outside and Mm -hmm. um, so that's how it felt to me living here now feels like how I grew up yeah tell me about your parents about your family yeah so my parents Nancy and Bill they my mom uh, actually in Bowling Green is also the headquarters for uh, Fruit of the Loom oh so she she worked (laughs) there for for a long time before she retired my dad uh, has worked my whole life uh, for the Environmental Protection Agency I have a sister, uh, her name's Scotia, okay. uh, which is a unique name, but she is nine years older than I am. So um, she moved out when I was probably nine and she was a teenager before that. So I don't really have a lot of memories of us being in the house together, really. Yeah. Um, she did drive me to school, I think, when she was maybe around 16. But, you know, she was a teenager. She was out with friends or sleeping in and stuff like that. So... We became closer friends once I became around, I was about 15 years old when we really started to connect more. She married young and started having babies. So I was an aunt at 15. And so we got really close because I was always with her, with her kids, always babysitting, driving them around Mm -hmm. and um, just always coming in and out of her house and eating their snacks. And (laughs) did you look up to her a lot or? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> so where's she now? She's still in my hometown. Okay. Yep. She lives She lives there, and, and they're probably about 20 minutes from my parents. Just for perspective, how old are her kids? Okay, oh. so my oldest nephew... I'm I, not trying to ask how old you are, but... <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't care. Um, yeah, my oldest nephew, I think, is 24. So 24, 22, and her youngest is in high school, 15, I think, 16, something like that. 
So did she like having you around? How would she describe you? Were you the tag-along sister in the way? I think when I was young, I was probably annoying. (laughs) I don't know how she would describe me, but... I remember, you know, sitting outside her bedroom door, just like, when is she going to wake up? That's you know? funny. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think once I got a little older and she had young kids, you know, she definitely liked having me around, mm-hmm. you know, I had all the energy and of a young person and could play with the kids and take them around and stuff. So who was Audrey? <laughs> well, yeah. Most Audrey what? What's your middle name? Nicole. Okay. Mm-hmm. Who was Audrey Nicole? Yeah. Very quiet very shy, unsure, indecisive, just, yeah, just very, um, could not hold a conversation for the life of me. Mm. It was terrifying to me to chat <laughs> with anyone. Yeah. Um, and even in our house, I feel like my parents would probably describe themselves even as pretty quiet. Mm-hmm. So our house was just really quiet. Uh, even to this day, like I don't have a hard time being by myself, you know, yeah. um, I'm very rarely by myself, but it's not a difficult thing for me. And um, part of that's probably personality. And part of that's probably just how I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just always with my dog outside, you know, just by myself and with, I mean, with friends too, you know, yeah. friends that would come over, but yeah. Um, what was your school? Did you take a bus? What did you do? So I went to a Catholic school kindergarten through eighth grade and uh, my, my dad drove me to school every day sorry I had found something in my lap <laughs> um, yeah so Catholic school we went to mass as a school uh, mm-hmm. once a week we had to do confession as a school with the priest one kid at a time yep oh. yep and it was pretty much a joke to us you know we were just trying to get through it and Mm -hmm. get over it and we would talk as friends like what are you gonna say really what are you gonna say and I think I said the exact same thing every single year which was um I fought with my sister (laughs) (laughs) and what was your penance oh then we had to go back to the pews and we had the rosaries and we had to kneel and say the different prayers I don't remember I don't remember what else yeah (laughs) But in all seriousness, did Catholicism make an impression on you? Like, were you drawn towards it um, as a child? To me, well, honestly, I thought everyone was Catholic because okay. I grew up in a Catholic school. So I just thought the whole world was Catholic, I guess. I don't know. It just was, it was just a part of life. I didn't really analyze it or think much about it. Mm-hmm. I, I knew God was real, um, but to me, he was distant kind of cold watching my every move to see if I'm going to mess up. I didn't think of myself as having a relationship with him. I didn't pray except for just memorized prayers that we had to do, you know, as a, as a church or as a school. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't, I really never remember doing them privately. I did actually once have a period of time in high school or maybe middle school, I can't remember, where I thought, maybe I should know what I'm saying. Maybe I should know what these prayers mean and try to mean it because I thought God would be mad if if I didn't. Mm -hmm. And um, so I would go through the prayer in my head, like, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, you know, and try to understand what it meant. And I would, like, say one line and be like, well, I don't really get that. Well, maybe he'll be okay with that. I'll just go to the next line, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But looking back... Um, there was a lot of baggage, I think, that when I became a Christian, I was 16, and I had a lot of Catholic baggage and a lot of things that I had to work through to see, like, who is God? Who mm-hmm. is he really? You know, and there were some years of trying to sort through that. But looking back now, um, I, I can be thankful for the foundation. I knew God was real. Mm-hmm. I, I could say Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I didn't understand what that meant. It didn't mean anything to me at the time, but there was a foundation there that I can be thankful for now. And I was also thankful for sort of the protection that the private school Hmm. gave me. I had the same group of kids, basically, uh, because each class, it was just one class for each grade. And there was probably 20-something students in each class. And so the kids that were in my class in kindergarten were basically the same kids that were in my class in eighth grade. Okay. And so we just grew up together. And the way, you know, say in middle school, the way the boys and girls 
interacted with each other was so different than when I entered public high school okay. and saw that difference. I was pretty, pretty floored by it mm-hmm. because in say eighth grade, you know, if a boy and girl were holding hands at the movies, we were like giggling in the background and, yeah. you know, but, um, entering high school the boys and girls were really interacting with each other in a much much different way (laughs) you know that looking back I'm glad that I was protected from that for as long as I was do you have in your like consciousness just a lot of I think of Catholic imagery or did you did you have a lot of that stuff in your household like how present was it in your well my mom so I think that my grandmother actually my mom's mom was Baptist and then Mary became Catholic to marry my grandfather. Oh, okay. And they had nine kids and it was just a very strong Catholic family. I had a, a uncle that was a priest. Um, it was just very strong on that side of the family. Um, my dad, I didn't really know anybody from his side of the family and my dad didn't claim any sort of religion or mm-hmm. denomination. So he just was okay with me being in Catholic school and just us being Catholic, but he wasn't a a part of it, if that makes sense. So it wasn't a big thing in our house. Like we didn't really talk about religion much. We didn't, it was all at school that we had religion class. No, I did. I did go to mass with my mom on Sundays. Yeah. But, and we stopped going once I was in high school. I'm not sure why, but we didn't, we didn't go anymore. Once, once I left. Um, and you cabin. didn't complain? <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> I was probably glad. Yeah. Does your sister, is she a Catholic? I would say she's probably loosely Catholic. Okay. I don't know that they regularly go to Mass. If they do show up at church, it's probably the, the Catholic church. I think actually my youngest nephew has recently been interested in, in going more regularly. So they, she may be going more yeah. more recently but it's it's loose this is sort of skipping ahead but i'm so interested what do you remember what one particular issue was that was hard for you to maybe let go of when you became a christian that was a catholic maybe tie well it's interesting because when i became a christian i was hearing the gospel um i was going to these different evangelical events and hearing the gospel over and over and over again but it was different mm-hmm. it was it was hearing the same message as far as Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but it was obvious I was hearing it for mm-hmm. the first time. And so even coming to Christ was kind of a difficult thing because I was trying to say, you know, quote unquote, the sinner's prayer mm-hmm. in just the right way. You know, it was like, I didn't say it right. I don't think that, or maybe I didn't mean it enough. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think I'm really saved. I doubted my salvation a lot in those first years and sprinkled out throughout my Christian life. But so I think it was a lot of trying to understand like how God is actually gracious and kind. And, you know, I had this understanding that God was there just watching my every move from yeah. a distance, you know. And so I just thought he was always mad at me, even though it was like, trusting in him in him for my salvation i still thought he didn't really like me very much Mm -hmm. and um he just probably was mad at me yeah most of the time (laughs) did you have like saints that you were used to thinking about that you're like oh i can't um emulate these people anymore i didn't really think much about saints honestly i mean i know it was a part of it and and you know there were prayers to saints and things like that but again like I was there at the Catholic school. I was going through the motions, but, you know, I didn't really care, Mm -hmm. honestly. So I just didn't think much about it. Yeah. Okay. So back to when you were a little kid. (laughs) You were kind of, but not close to your sister, but you were maybe more lonely. Was there someone that you could talk to? I have always been blessed with really, really close friends. Even as a young kid, my uh, my really close friend in fourth grade, still friends with to this day, wow. she lives in Georgia and her sister. Um, I was really good friends with both of them. Um, I lived with her sister during college for, for a time and, and just other friends that I've had throughout the years and in my young years. Um, they just always, friends always felt like family to me. Mm-hmm. I've never been the person that enjoys like really big crowds or like talking in really large groups, but I've always had just 
close few friends, you know? Yeah. So you're in your element right now. (laughs) One-on-one. Exactly. (laughs) So what's a great childhood memory you could pull out? Well, I remember always had there being tornado warnings in In Kentucky. uh Uh-huh. Okay. And uh, we would go in the crawl space during a tornado warning. And for some reason, it was always very exciting to me. (laughs) And I think a part of that was my mom because she said she always wanted to be a tornado chaser. And so we're all like hungering down in this nasty crawl space and she's it sounds gross i'm it sorry was, it was and she would be like roaming around outside like trying to get a glimpse of a tornado oh and goodness. so she wasn't scared and she wasn't acting scared and i remember just being down there and us laughing and you know just it was just a fun time it wasn't like a scary time now mm-hmm. there's been crazy tornadoes even in recent years that have destroyed the area so i know it can be just yeah. really scary um but in my experience none of those times there were there was actually like a tornado overhead anyway that is one of my favorite <laughs> memories what, would you have like snacks or was it literally just run down with your clothes on your back yeah i think may i think maybe we took some snacks and some toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> think about that you know a blanket maybe i can't remember that sounds important radio okay um well what about a story that your family likes to tell about you if they were to tell one uh, my mom tells the story i was very very little like a, a baby in the crib and they would turn on music and i would be on all fours swaying back and forth you know to Man. the music i mean very very little i can't remember how old but that's cute yeah do you know what kind of music that would mm. be fun to know I'd have to ask them, but I know they, you know, probably a lot of that 70s music there. Yeah, (laughs) groovy stuff. Mm -hmm. So what did you want to be when you were younger? That's funny. I had no ambitions to be anything. (laughs) (laughs) I did not think like that when I was a kid. I wasn't like, oh, I want to be this when I grew up. When I grew up, I just never thought like that. Actually, I was a sophomore in college taking general ed classes Mm -hmm. and still had zero idea of what I wanted to major in and getting letters in the mail like you need to declare your major yeah uh, did you panic declare or um what did I do I think I prayed <laughs> um yeah. was trying to figure out I was thinking maybe I should be a teacher I didn't want to have a classroom of that many kids though yeah I wasn't sure and then I was in a human nutrition class and a speech therapist came to speak to our class and I've never heard of speech therapy before we didn't have speech therapists come to our school mm-hmm. um, I just wasn't aware of it and as she was talking I was fascinated so I took an intro class and after that I declared my oh, major cool. yeah and you graduated as a speech therapist right mm-hmm. yeah from what school Western Kentucky University. Uh, so what hobbies did you have? Did you have any of those? Um, I didn't. I was not okay. a person that at the time as a kid or even high school and college that I've never would have considered myself creative. I never had thoughts like that. I, I just, I don't know what it was. I did get into a phase where I wanted to decoupage. Oh, <laughs> yes. The glue layers. Yes. Yeah. You, I would decoupage like picture frames. But other than that, I didn't really do anything like that. So it's actually yeah. been more in the recent years where I've been trying to learn things and dabble in things. Have you shown your girls decoupage? I haven't, but you know what? I probably should. I feel like they would really like that. It's fun. I actually don't think my girls know what that is either. What about like you didn't read or anything? No. No. (laughs) TV. Yes. You swam. You swam. I swam. I did TV. Well, I, I was on the dance team in high school. Well, in middle school, I was a cheerleader. And then I was transitioning from private school to public school. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I guess, had the foresight to know that that was going to be a difficult transition for mm-hmm. me. And so he saw that the high school was having dance team tryouts. This was, I was still in eighth grade. It was like the end of my eighth grade year. And so he told me and my best friend at the time, uh, who I was talking about a minute ago, about it. Okay. and encouraged us to go try out for the dance team because 
he thought that would be a good way for us to, you know, make friends and meet people and all of that. So mm-hmm. we would leave school early um, and drive over. My dad would drive us over to the high school and we did dance team tryouts. And I met one of my friends that still I'm friends with to this day. And she, her and her husband are actually introduced me and Ricky. Oh, um, and it was actually her husband in high school that were putting on these events called For God, where I heard the gospel and got saved. So I told them I owe them my life because yeah. <laughs> I met Jesus and I met my husband and through Ricky. them. Um, yeah, so basically dance team, I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. We would learn choreographed dance routines and perform them, you know, halftime basketball games. Okay, so would you have like almost like track suits? You your... do not want to know. Oh, <laughs> we wore. Okay. <laughs> maybe I'm picturing like gymnasts or something in my mind. It was sort of like that. Okay. Um, but did you do flips and stuff? pants? Yeah, it was sort of a mix between like cheerleading dance that we did do different types of dance within one routine. Like you would have a mix of maybe jazz, but then like the cheerleader type moves and we would mm-hmm. do toe touches and oh, leaps man. and you know, like we would do toe touches like and land on our backs or land in the splits. Man, um, do you still got we it? We would do hip hop. No, <laughs> <laughs> not at all. I feel like I would break something. So you were dancing since you were a baby. And... <laughs> yeah. 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 So I was on the dance team for, I, I ended up quitting about mid-year, my senior year, but mm-hmm. for most of high school. And so you formed, it worked what your dad thought happened, right? Yes, it was, it was really a godsend because I have those friends I still have to this day. And that's how I came to know Christ and all of that. So, so were you drawn to any subjects in high school or are you kind of just, did you, you get know, normal grades? Just, in, I mean, I got decent grades, but high school to me, like I look back at high school and I don't even remember the school part, Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was just more about um friends boys yeah it was the social aspect of it i think i was so my whole life really in elementary school and in high school just so much of a fear of man issue that it was hard i was always so scared you know like in class for example i was scared someone would call on me the teacher would call on me Um, so i couldn't it was hard to learn because I was just thinking the whole time, like, oh my gosh, they're going to call on me. Like, I can't focus, you know, or what are my friends thinking about me? Or what is this boy thinking about me? Or, you know what I mean? It was just constant, constantly thinking about those things. So uh, school was not really on my radar, you know? So it wasn't like you were a different person around your friends and then a different person at school. You're kind of same across the board. I mean, my close friends, Mm -hmm. they knew me well and I could be myself around them, but it, within the a bigger crowd I would always just be very scared and mm-hmm. you know is that something that you kind of pulled from your parents you said they were pretty quiet I don't know I think it maybe was all me yeah <laughs> so did you have people in your house growing up like did they have friends and no um we it, we never really had anybody over like I said it was it was pretty quiet except for the times where I was in my room uh singing Mariah Carey on my karaoke machine as loud as I can, which I'm sure was super obnoxious because I can't sing. So other than that, it was pretty quiet. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So did you work at all? Um, I didn't. Well, I did babysitting and mostly just babysitting in in younger years, Um, but I didn't get a job until I was 18. I worked at a tanning bed, actually. Oh my goodness. It's funny to me. Okay, you do not strike me as this person, cheerleader, tanning bed (laughs) person at all. I know, I don't even like tanning beds. Um, But um, I did work at a tanning bed for a little while, and then in college I was a student worker for probably three years in the recreation department on campus, just basically assisting professors. And uh, that was a good job because I could study when I needed to. And it was right there on campus. I could just walk to class and walk to work. And so it was a good job to have. How did you decide where to go to school? I mean, it was local, I guess is how I decided. And I don't remember ever thinking that I wanted to go anywhere else. I didn't really have an itch to move from Bowling Green until I actually got my first job after graduating mm-hmm. and I was getting you know I was a little bit older then I was probably 25 because I had to get had a, two years master's after that so when I graduated I guess I was around 25 or 26 and moved to Lexington Kentucky um, 
but it wasn't until then that I really had an itch to be anywhere besides Bowling Green. Okay. Was it important to your parents that you went to college? Yeah. I don't remember ever thinking that there was any other option, mm-hmm. you know, like that there was yeah. another route to go. It was just the, the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't remember ever questioning it or even thinking that there was anything else that you, you could do or, you know, yeah. so it was just the next step, I guess. So what made you move to Lexington? I got a job. Okay, that sounds exciting. Yeah, so um, actually for one of my internships, I was in Lexington for a summer working in a, you know, kind of shadowing a a speech therapist for a summer. And that was at a rehab hospital. And then I went back to Bowling Green and and finished up. and Rehab for? Well, there were different units. There were stroke units, traumatic brain injury. There was a separate children's unit where you, there was outpatient. So I was in the traumatic brain injury unit um, for my internship. And then when I moved back and I was graduating and looking for a job, that same place hired me on for the, um, the pediatric section of it. So which did you prefer stroke patients or the kids? Do you think? I kind of think the traumatic brain injury. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed working with the kids, but, um, that job was, was very difficult. The kids? Well, the, the kids could be sometimes, but it was more so, I enjoyed working with the kids. It was more so the schedule and the amount of paperwork. You know, I would go in, say, at, I would try to get there at seven. I would start seeing clients at eight and just to like wrap my head around my day and mm-hmm. get caught up on paperwork. There was never any scheduled paperwork time. So you're always trying to keep your head above water. And I could see clients every hour or every half hour all day long wow. um, until sometimes six o'clock, you know, so it was just a very long day and you're trying to work with the kids. And it was, you know, speech therapy is very, very broad. Mm -hmm. And so I think I would have liked, say, the traumatic brain injury better because it was more focused. But with kids, it was super broad. So one hour I could see a kid who's autistic and nonverbal and the next hour stuttering and the next hour picky eating issues. Mm -hmm. And you know what I mean? It was just, I felt like I couldn't be good at any one thing because I had to be good at everything. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like I was just, you know, it was just chaos. It was just very uh, fast paced and um, pretty exhausting. And even during the lunch hour, I'm just trying to like finish paperwork and I would come in on weekends to do paperwork and stay late and come in early. And so, and you're in your twenties, you're trying to do something. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I don't think that, you know, I met Ricky about a month or two after I moved there and Mm -hmm. we dated long distance and got married within a year of meeting. And I ended up quitting that job and moving to Louisville. So if that wouldn't have happened, I don't think I could have sustained that job for very long, but I didn't have to. So, (laughs) well, I'm interested in that story, but I want to back up to how you met Jesus, mm-hmm. if you don't mind going back to yeah. 16. Yeah, so I got into high school, and pretty much my focus was just, I want to be cool, and I want the cool people to like me, and always just feeling very insecure about that. And so I just started partying a lot, and mm-hmm. that's when I first started to like drink a lot, you know, getting drunk every weekend, because when I would drink, I would feel like I could loosen up a little Mm -hmm. bit and I could, you know, not be so scared. Um, So that's what I was doing for most of, I would say, my sophomore year in high school. Does that give you perspective now that your daughter is, how old she is? She's 13. 13. I know, it's so crazy. Yeah. So my friend that I met, Rebecca, during Dean's Team Tryouts, she grew up in a Christian home and you know she would say now looking back she was she's not sure that she was a christian then okay. but she was known like as the christian you know what i mean mm-hmm. but she wasn't really living for jesus at the time but that was my idea of christian was her and she would take me to this church um that was really known for their music mm. and i had never been to a protestant church before so we would go in and sit in the back and listen to the music and leave. Wow. And so we did that several times where we just would listen to the music and leave. And then I started dating someone who had a similar story, grew up in a Christian home, kind of known as a Christian, but not really living for Jesus. And his mom 
I kind of got to know his mom too. And that's when we started, I was going with him to these different events Mm -hmm. where I was hearing the gospel over and over again. And I remember sitting in the chair and it was, it was the whole thing, like the altar call, all of that. And I remember sitting in my chair, just like, I can't walk the aisle. I can't, like, I was just terrified to walk the aisle. And so you would get called to walk the aisle, say the prayer. I wouldn't do it. We would leave. And I would just feel like I've let God down. Like he's not going to save me unless I walk this aisle, Mm -hmm. basically. And I, I want to say there was three or four of these events that we went to, um, and it seemed like they were back to back, if I remember correctly. So were you watching other people go, and then yeah. you just sitting there, yeah, mm-hmm. watching them walk yep. by, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I just for some reason couldn't bring myself to do it. And then my friend Rebecca, her now husband, was putting on this one of these events, and I went to it, and I was sitting next to my boyfriend and it was the same thing mm-hmm. it's time to to go up front and say the prayer and i just couldn't do it and he leaned over to me and said is this something you want to do and um i just nodded my head yes and so he took me he walked with me to like the side of a building and said the prayer mm-hmm. like for me cool. and i just like repeated you're, you're crying no, i'm like, crying <laughs> It's so cool. Yeah. And so it, which it's crazy because it's like, he wasn't really living for Jesus, you know, at the time. And, um, but God used him and he said the prayer. I repeated it after him. And I, I was so, I was so skewed in my understanding of God, but you know, I, I could have been saved before that. I don't know. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I mm-hmm. could I could have been believing before that, but I thought that I had to like say this prayer this way and walk this aisle. So I thought that it now was legitimate, you mm-hmm. know? And thankfully, like I didn't know mm-hmm. any Christians. I didn't know um I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to do next, you know? Yeah. Um I started going to that church more regularly that my friend was taking me to. Together um, still? Did you go or? I went with, well, my boyfriend was a part of that church okay. um, and his family was. So I would go with him. I would go with my friend. Did and you just, tell anybody what you did didn't even occur to you? Like this is significant? The only person or? I really remember telling was one of my friends on the dance team. Her name's Heather. Um, one of my closest friends to this day. She was not a believer. And I actually wasn't telling her in order to get her to come to know Christ. I okay. was just like talking about the Lord and like talking about what he was doing in my life. And I had this journal and we were just chatting and I would, I would have her come to church with me because I just wanted someone to go with, you Mm -hmm. know? And she remembers looking back now, like I would call her and be like, come on, come to church with me. And she would just be like, Oh, I don't want to (laughs) go. But she would come and and then she got saved shortly after I did. Um, And so it was like me and her for a long time, just being able to, we would try to read the Bible together. I wish Mm -hmm. we had some of those conversations recorded because they were probably hysterical. You know, (laughs) I just remember us trying to read Job together and just trying to figure out what we were doing. But my boyfriend's mom really took me under her wing. And she was just a really big blessing because she... I was doubting my salvation all the time. This is actually pretty interesting. I became a Christian, and a lot of people have the story of just burdens lifted Mm -hmm. and just this joy. But I went into a deep depression for six years after becoming a Christian. And I think a a lot of— It's a long time. Yeah. I I didn't know if—I thought I was going to be depressed for the rest of my life. But I think a part of that was— Um, just my misunderstandings of God and who he was and trying to work that out. And it was also, well, anyway, I can't remember what I was going to (laughs) say. You can edit that out. (laughs) No way. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway. You're talking about um, your boyfriend's mom being instrumental yeah oh she would she would just um she would just repeat the gospel to me over and over and over again and so were you at his house more than yours kind of thing or she would just see you every now and then well yeah i was at their house and they didn't live far from us either and she worked at a local christian radio station i would stop in there all the time and we would chat and go to lunch and i mean even after we broke up uh, we stayed very connected for a while mm-hmm. because she was really the only person. She was like a spiritual mother, really. Mm-hmm. She was the only person I really knew who was sort of helping me figure things out, you mm-hmm. know, and she just grounded me in the gospel, basically, yeah. you know, and just helped me to see the love of Jesus and uh, the love of God and just helped me to learn to rest in 
and God and all of that. So is there something that she would say to you over and over that you can remember? Well, I was constantly coming to her probably in tears because I just thought maybe I'm not really saved. You know, she would just tell me like people who aren't saved don't care that they're not saved, you know? And it was just, it was, it was comforting to me because I was like, yeah, why do I care about this? You know, I didn't care about this before. Mm -hmm. So it was comforting. Yeah. What do you think first drew you to the church out of Catholicism towards, you know, a Christian type church? There had to have been something that let you know, like, this is different. It was the band. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It was the music. No. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, honestly, that kind of was because it, I had never heard music like that in mm-hmm. a church, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, oh, wow, they were like rocking out and it was always so quiet and somber when we were singing in the Catholic church, you know, yeah. it was always like, you had to be very quiet in mm-hmm. the Catholic church and you can't like make any noise or mm-hmm. I remember we were um, as a class going into the going into the Catholic church building to practice for something and we all all the kids got out of hand and we were getting really loud and um, oh, the, no. and the teacher was like she yelled at us and like pointed her finger to the ground and she's like this is the house of God mm-hmm. you know so that's part of like mm-hmm. oh gosh you know maybe we should God is really scary you know he doesn't yeah. want us making any noise (laughs) so then what happened at 21 or 22 ish when you said that there was an ending point of the darkness i guess oh oh yeah you know i look back on that time now and i think of it as spiritual boot camp it was like god was really weeding out of me some wrong ideas i had about him and teaching me to ground myself on his word because I remember going to my mom actually and asking if I could get on an antidepressant and she wouldn't let me, Mm. which I'm really thankful for now. But I had to just, I had to deal with it, you know? Mm. And I remember like walking on campus and I would put all these verses on note cards and have them in my pockets so that I could just look at them. Because I would, I mean, I really learned how to just rely on God's word and not how I felt mm-hmm. during that time. I would walk from class to class just looking at these note cards and just pulling them out every single second. Because so you're talking about a moment to moment yes. feeling of anxiety. and it was, it was very dark and it almost felt at times like oppressive, like coming from the outside. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't really know what was happening, but it just felt very dark Mm. and very scary but slowly it wasn't like a switch it was like slowly that darkness started to lift until more and more time was passing that I would look back and be like oh I haven't really felt this way in in a little while Mm. you know Um, to the point where it just completely disappeared so where were you at in your life at that point what were you doing um I guess I was just in college, just taking classes. And your master's at that point, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think maybe maybe still in my undergrad that it was starting to lift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were still at the same church or were you how involved were you? I was pretty involved. I had gotten pretty involved. I was um, helping out a lot with, with the high schoolers, the youth group. And we, (laughs) the church is very, like, it's not, I'm thankful for it, but it's not a church that I would be a part of now. You know, you have Mm -hmm. like the smoke machines and the, the dancers. I was, I was like the praise dancer. Oh man, (laughs) different outfit than dance team. Yes. Yeah. Some different outfits and some like ribbons and ribbon dancers, you know. Did you ever use your hands for any movement? Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I'm thinking of the bird from Napoleon Dynamite. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. The spiritual hovering bird. Yeah, I don't lots know. of hand motions and you could use that interesting. somewhere. I asked Ricky every once in a while, I was like, if you want me to start a praise dance team, I can. <laughs> I'm just visualizing right now, everybody. Okay. So I was I was heavily involved in the church. Um, and then same friend, she really started to follow Jesus too in, in college. And her and her husband, they got married pretty young. And they started to challenge me a little bit on being a part of that church and just kind of challenging me to be a part of a healthier church. And I was a little irritated at first and 
you know, not agreeing and they gave me some books to read and things like that. And I started to become convinced. And, and so I switched churches and, but I was only there a year before I moved to Lexington. Okay. And then for your job, and then you met Ricky mm-hmm. before you tell that story. Well, is he the significant turning point in your life or can you think of another? I would say yes. Yeah. We've been married for 14 years and he has significantly helped me in my walk with Christ. It was like the first 10 years or so I felt it was like, I'm a Christian, but Mm -hmm. I just feel sort of lost. Like I'm just sort of floating around, just trying to figure things out. I didn't understand like how to fight sin. I didn't understand a lot of things. And I I, I did become a reader eventually. So actually when I became a Christian is when I started reading and um, I just it's hard for me to read fiction, but I will read Christian living type books, just devour them just one after the other. And I've just never stopped. But so I was, that was a lot of my discipleship, you know. Can you throw out a couple early names? Well, I would say I probably read some really good books and also some really horrible books. It was probably a mixture. You want to know the first book I read after becoming a Christian? Yeah. I I Kissed Dating Goodbye. (gasps) (laughs) Uh, but I, that's when I uh, discovered John Piper. And, okay, yeah. Um, I can see that book in my head, the hat down or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Oh, tip tat. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Okay, so Ricky, so he was loving the Lord already? Oh, yeah. So same friends, uh, Rebecca and Lance, they were now living in Louisville. Um, her husband's going to seminary there. And Ricky was also in Louisville going to seminary. Mm-hmm. And they met him and they just became friends with him and they would have him over for dinner all the time. And, and I was living in Lexington and talking to my friend pretty frequently on the phone. And actually, I think three years prior to this, she was telling me about him. She was like, you need to meet Ricky Love. And so she actually set up this sort of meeting where I am meeting him and I know why, but he Mm -hmm. doesn't know why you Mm -hmm. know so uh, me and a few friends went to louisville to stay with her and her husband for the weekend and lance invited him over and we were all just gonna hang out and it was casual right yeah it was just like we're gonna play a game we're gonna go out and do something get something to eat and we're just all hanging out and i'm just it's just an opportunity for me to like check him out and he (laughs) has no idea you know um but i was quickly turned off because okay (laughs) Because he had, he wore extremely baggy clothes, like, okay, like extremely baggy clothes. He had on the ugliest sweater I've ever seen, <laughs> and he had these really big gold chains. Oh, um, man. And so I was like, eh, I don't think I'm into that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I do have a picture of him from that night, but I didn't, I was just hanging out with my friends. I didn't really pay him much mind. But um, I, a few years later, um, we were talking on the phone, me and my friend, and she was like, seriously, you need to think about Ricky Love. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, okay, what? tell me more about him. Because at this point, I'm getting kind of frustrated with um, guys who, my experience with Christian guys were not really Christian guys, guys who say they're Christians, mm-hmm. but they're not really. And um, I was getting frustrated with that. And um, she was telling me about him. She was telling me about his character, um, his goals, you know, mm-hmm. things he wanted to do. And I was like, well, I mean, that does sound like someone that, Love it. you know, I, I would be in, you know, should be interested, would want to be interested in. And mm-hmm. so I was like, well, maybe I should just give it a shot. You know, like, why not? So I asked her, I was like, what are you going to do? And she's like, I'll take care of it. Okay. So there was a conference happening in Louisville. John Piper was going to be speaking, and I can't remember who else. And there was a bunch of people planning on going to this. So me and a few friends drove to Louisville. We're going to this conference, and my Rebecca set up this big group of people that were going to eat together. And at this point, me and Ricky both know why we're there. Okay. So it was, it was pretty awkward because we know why we're there, and so does everyone else. So they're kind of like <laughs> eyeing us. like. Um, but as we're at the conference, I remember, I mean, I loved John Piper. I was sitting yeah. not like he's speaking, right? I'm sitting in this pew. And before he, like earlier in the day, you know, we, I was starting to feel sick and I just was starting to feel feverish and just run down. And Mm. so I'm sitting here trying to watch one of my favorite like people 
preach and I'm laid out in the pew on my friend's <laughs> lap, like can't even sit up. I'm oh just sick. And, um, and I was thinking about canceling. I was like, we just need to go home. Like, I feel awful. I'm not going to go to this dinner. You know, I just can't. Someone gave me some like naproxen <laughs> to take and I perked, I perked up a little bit. I was like, I can make it through dinner and then we're headed home, you know? So we went to dinner and it was, I mean, it was fine. I, I wasn't as turned off the, the oh, second time around. I was not tur- as turned off the second time oh, around. Okay. I was like, hmm, you know, this might, this might be someone I could be interested in. So um, I went home and got deathly sick oh, no. with whooping cough. Okay. Yeah. Which and most moms so are aware of whooping cough. It's very yeah. dangerous for kids. And I worked with kids. And so my boss was like, do not come near this place and do not tell anyone this is what you have. But I wouldn't have been able to even if I tried because yeah. I've never been that sick in my life. So it was, I feel like a month where I was sick, really, really sick, coughing, throwing up from so much coughing. And um, my voice by the time I was getting better was <laughs> just, it, it was so scratchy. It was, mm-hmm. I could barely speak. And as I was recovering, my friend Rebecca calls. She's like, oh my goodness, I think Ricky's getting ready to call you. I think he's getting ready oh, to call no. you. And I was like, I was like, I can't talk to him right now. Like I, I can't talk to him while I'm can't sounding like this. But I think he was like getting ready to call. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just get on and be like, hey, I've been really sick. Can I call you back when my voice is better? But he got the conversation going so quick. You know, that was you were we were already in. into the conversation. And I was like, it's too late. Like, whatever it is what it is you know and so um he asked me to come to louisville the next weekend and oh wow you know hang out okay and then we got married a year later man what did he say on that phone (laughs) (laughs) so your parents did they just when did they meet him um i don't really remember um i think i brought him to bowling green after we'd been dating for a little while mm-hmm. um to meet them they were a little they were a little hesitant at first because ricky's life plans were to be a missionary in brazil and my parents were not for that yeah um, to tell people about jesus <laughs> specifically i mean well just just to be that far away okay. and and they were just scared for me to to be overseas and be in Brazil and mm-hmm. because it wasn't just Ricky wanted to be in Brazil he wanted to be in the slums of Brazil and yeah. some of the most dangerous parts and so they were pre- pretty hesitant at first and I think it took some time for him to win them over but um, they love him now and you know it's fine now but yeah I think when I told them we were moving to Richmond instead of Brazil it was a big relief <laughs> yeah no doubt no doubt but you you'd ended up going to Brazil I've seen some pictures of you and the Sotos and some other people. Yeah, um, that we had been married only a couple of months and Ricky and, and Josh Soto are close friends since freshman year in college. And we, we were trying to go to Brazil. We were trying to go through the IMB. We were making plans to get there and we got turned down because Ricky has type one diabetes. And um, that kind of shocked us, actually. We, were not, we're, we weren't expecting that. And so we were trying to figure out another way to get there. And we had been married maybe four months and Josh calls Ricky and was like, what do you think about coming to Richmond? Yeah. So uh, Josh was pastoring Aletheia at the time and he, I guess the whole plan was for us to come and be a part of Aletheia and then start a church off, you know, from there. Mm-hmm. In any particular part of town? Yes. Um, <laughs> Want to share that? Yeah. We were uh, specifically wanting to reach out to the projects. So that's that's what we did. We we thought and prayed about it for about a week. And then mm-hmm. we're like, all right, we're going to Richmond. Change plans, you know. It probably helped that Ricky had such a good relationship with Josh in yeah. making that decision. Yeah. You know. and, and let me back up. I will say that we went, I kind of skipped that part, two months into our marriage before Josh had asked us that we had gone to Brazil with with them and a, mm-hmm. a group of people from Aletheia and that was they were doing a mission trip and we wanted to jump along because I had I had never even been overseas so it was like I'm getting thinking I'm moving to Brazil mm-hmm. and I've never been overseas you know <laughs> so it was an opportunity for me to experience Brazil kind of see what I'm getting myself into and 
And so got to hang out with, that's when I met, um, well, I had met Chantel before that, but um, got to hang out with her for an extended period. Ashton mm-hmm. Tower was on that trip and Kyle. Like the Kings? Am I remembering think, Kings from pictures? Yep. Yep. Yeah. They were both there. Um, and so it was, it was a good trip. It was fun. And so it was a couple of months later that Josh called and asked us to, to come to Richmond. Mm-hmm. Was that a culture shock for you? Well, I had been living in in Louisville. So not really. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it wasn't a super hard transition. Now moving, we moved to an area of town. We, we moved to Churchill and we were not far from the projects and we were living in an area purposefully that people said specifically not to move to. Yes, <laughs> you know, very the, the street names were um, lettered. So there'd be like M street, you know, whatever. And people would say, don't move past M street. Mm-hmm. And we moved to T. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, I mean, I was, I don't ever remember just being scared or I don't know why that is. Maybe mm-hmm. it was just the Lord's kindness. You know, we would walk around the projects. We would, I'd walk Eva around in the neighborhood. And I mean, I was cautious, you know, yeah. aware of my surroundings and things like that. But, you know, part of it probably was ignorance too, because mm-hmm. I was, I was blissfully ignorant. There would be things happening around me that yeah. I did not have the street smarts to know actually what was going on you know yeah we would be in our house and ricky would look out the window and be like this is happening and i would be like oh i did not know that <laughs> you know yeah so and well that's the whole story too but let's go yeah. back to the more expansive question so what is something that maybe you regret just looking back or something that maybe you wish you would have done hmm. in the younger years or any time mm-hmm. um actually i think that i would have not gotten my master's okay um it's funny because I loved speech therapy and I, and I really enjoyed working with the kids and things like that. Um, and not people, not many people would want to aspire to be like an aide, mm-hmm. but I would have loved to have been a speech therapy aide, mm-hmm. which um, I think you still need your bachelor's for, but not your master's. And um, you can still make good money. Um, and I could have done all the things that I love about speech therapy and without having to do all the things that I hated about it. Yeah. And it would have been less school. And I don't know. I just think that it would have been a, a better path. But yeah, I'm so curious, too, about you. You got married mid or latter 20s. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Was that something that it was just such a big change in your life? You're like, let's do this, just jump in wholesale? Or was that harder because you said some of your friends got married really young? Yeah, I always wanted to be married. I mean, I remember being 18 being like, am I ever going to get married? Mm-hmm. I was only 18 thinking like, it's never going to happen. And so it wasn't It was in a difficult transition. I was ready. I was mm-hmm. really wanting and ready to be married. Mm-hmm. Where did you get married? In Bowling Green. Okay. Yeah, we the church that I was a part of for a year. Um, it was a beautiful stone, like historic church, and we got married there. We didn't even have to do a lot of decorating because mm-hmm. it was just so gorgeous. But yeah, we lived in a cool apartment in Old Louisville, mm-hmm. the historic part of Louisville, and it was an old house that was split up into different apartments. And so our little apartment had a spiral staircase oh, up to the to the next floor. It was it was pretty cool. Um, so, is there any fun early memory you have? Hmm. Uh, we did a lot of bike riding. Okay. Yeah, that was fun. All around Louisville, we get ice cream and. And just ride around a lot. That was fun. That's one of my dreams now. I don't really have a bike yet. <laughs> I want to do that. Go get some ice cream. Do you bike around with your, your girls? No, we did a little bit when uh, my parents got us really nice bikes in our early years of marriage. And uh, we used to ride Eva around when she was little. But we haven't been doing that in, in recent years. It kind of hurts my neck. To, oh, yeah. That position. I need a bike where you like sit straight up. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, what's that lady doing? <laughs> Is there anything else you want to say? I guess what pushed on you the hardest in your in your life? I, w- I was just always very, um, before I met Ricky, like I said, it was a turning point to to meet him and he, him really helping me in my faith and I've just over the years become just more sure and more confident in Christ and more decisive and, and things like that. But before that, it was just very indecisive, very Mm -hmm. unsure, always feel like I'm making the wrong decision. I would make a decision and it would bother me. And then I would make another decision and that would bother me. And it's like, what is God's will? What does he want me to do? You know? Um, so it just felt very like tossed around 
a lot and not grounded. Ricky's not that way at all. No. <laughs> no, not at all. He's going for it if yeah. he makes up his mind. Yep. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your soil before we wrap up this section? Maybe a part of you that I didn't hit on. Well, I think I want to add that, you know, we we came to Richmond and Ricky was really good friends with Josh and Brian and we were trying to start this church and Ricky would meet with them, you know, once a month just to get help and Mm -hmm. advice and things like that. And we started to hit some really rough times in our marriage. Like it was, it was difficult because I was, it was new city, new church, new husband, basically. Mm -hmm. I had a baby five weeks after we moved to Richmond um, new mom. We're also trying to start a church in a in a rough part of town, and so it was a lot at once. And then we started about two or three years into our marriage, hit like a really rough patch, and and I was kind of having another bout of like doubting my salvation and all of this. It was just a really rough season, and I was ready to do this church plant for life. I wasn't like toying with the idea of oh, I wish we weren't doing this, mm-hmm. but you know, Ricky was talking with Josh and Brian and he came back to the house and he was just like, I think we need to become a part of remnant. Mm. And I just bawled. Like it just felt like such relief. And I didn't even know that I felt that way, Mm -hmm. you know, until uh, he said that. And so being a part of remnant was one of the biggest blessings in our life. It made me cry just talking about it, but we just learned so much about, um, you know, we just soaked in, soaked everything in, you know, mm-hmm. just one-on-one conversations and asking questions, but also just observing people, um, just learning what does it look like to be a Christian? What does it look like to be a wife and a mom? And, you know, for Ricky, a uh, husband and father, was what, what does ministry look like? It just, it was just the best experience that anybody could ever have. We're yeah. just so thankful. And it still affects us to this day, you know. Yeah, I still, I'm still impacted by just those friendships, but also just um, observing people from afar and just being encouraged and challenged and mm-hmm. all of that. So just super thankful. You're always having visitors up here. <laughs> yeah, we, it's just the best thing when people come to see us and then we try to get to Richmond you know, some too. And that's all, that's always a good time. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's a lot more to share about those early years. You had a church for a short time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was it called? It was called Matthew's Table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to share about that? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the, the Lord did some, some good things there and I'm thankful for that time. And I think it was kind of a lonely time. We, it was, you know, we had, it was a teeny tiny church and Mm -hmm. a lot of the ladies that were a part of our church were like single college girls, uh, which was great. But I was a young wife, young mom trying to figure that out Mm -hmm. and pretty starving for some other wives and moms, you know? So, so it was, it was a good thing when, when we were able to join with Remnant. And Mm -hmm. um, I think Ricky too started to become convicted of our hyper focus on one population rather than thinking of Jesus as for all people. And so it was, it was good to be able to take those relationships that we had made and help get them plugged in with remnant too. And realize that Jesus is for all people, not just for like a certain, a certain group, you know, which is great. You know, it's great to be able to reach out to, to people, but anyway. Yeah. Closing with that. So you have experienced, it sounds like Christ-like virtue from women in your life, but I don't know if you want to choose a woman from Remnant or a a woman from your current church family, but who would you like to honor on the podcast today? Well, I'm glad you said that because if not, I was going to cheat. Oh, okay. I was going to pick someone from Wellspring, even though there's so many ladies I could choose from Remnant, Mm -hmm. but not technically a part of Remnant anymore. So. I'm going to choose someone from from Wellspring, and I'm going to choose Allie Haynes. Mm. Um, She moved to Berkeley Springs, her and her husband and her three kids, about a year ago. Mm -hmm. They are from Wardensville, which is about an hour from here. And I've just been really encouraged and amazed at at their faith. They felt called to move here and help out with the church. She has blessed us with live music, which is amazing because we were uh, worshiping through recorded music. Oh, no way. (laughs) Yeah, and um, so you gotta that's, do what you gotta do. Yeah, and so the fact that they have left there and just put their faith in God to trust Him to mm-hmm. to move, and this has been her first year homeschooling, so she um, 
pulled her nine-year-old out of public school. And then she also has a five-year-old and a one-year-old. And um, so there's been a lot of big changes and a lot of big things that they're going after and um, which take a lot of trust and obedience to God. And I've just been really blessed by them, by her friendship. She is someone that it's very easy to laugh with Mm -hmm. and joke with. And I can tend to be too serious. Um, so it really helps me to lighten up a little bit, especially in in church planning where things can get kind of difficult sometimes or serious, you know. Yeah. And I just have laughed some of my hardest laughs since mm. meeting her. And I feel like I'm joking around more often since meeting her. And just having that kind of friendship in this season is, has been really a big blessing. She sounds like a gift. Oh yeah, definitely. So would you pray for her? Yes, I will. Lord, thank you so much uh, for Allie. Thank you that you've called them here. Thank you for what you're doing in her life. Um, that she is someone that, um, just desires just always a deeper relationship with you and going deeper with you and deeper obedience and deeper faith and, and all of that. Um, I pray that you would bless her, bless her family And um, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Whole Home Podcast, a podcast that displays the unity of sisters in the local church and the way God so wonderfully gives us to each other in our uniqueness and in our sameness for His glory. The stories we share weave together as one grand testimony to the work of Christ and His faithful presence in the garden of our lives. Remember, the Master Gardener is always at work, so let's yield to Him and grow where we're planted.